Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, it's good to have my good brother here tonight, Brother Andrew. I don't know how long we met back. I don't know how long it's been. Probably maybe 12 or 13, I think. Probably. But he come with us, preached the word, and uh, everybody loves him in this church. <laughs> Amen. I know that. I said, Brother, these people love you. This preacher loves you. He loves you. I'll tell you that. And I'm glad for him to come in. I don't want to hear from him tonight, whatever's on his heart, whatever he wants to say. And so, brother, you come on tonight. God bless you for coming. Amen. It's good to be in the Lord's house tonight. I'm glad I'm saved most of all. Certainly appreciate the Lord's grace and his kindness to us and uh, letting us be here. And I certainly appreciate the good singing and bringing honor to our Lord and Savior. I'm longing to go home. I look forward to be there with a glorified body. But I'm glad I can rejoice in the fact that I'm already there now. And we can rejoice in that wonderful truth tonight. I have not seen nor ear heard the things that wait, that are waiting for us. And, but yet God said, but, but by the Spirit of God, God hath revealed them unto us. It's an amazing, amazing truth to ponder tonight. At the expense of Jesus the access that the body has. Be able to come to the throne of grace with boldness. Worthy is the Lamb that allows unworthy, undone sinners. But God commend His love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, giving us access into the holiest of holies. It's amazing to ponder on, isn't it? I've been thinking, uh, just a couple thoughts on my heart, and I know this may sound a little strange tonight, but I wonder if there's, if there's a somebody, a, a man, brother, maybe you'd be the one to help me tonight. I saw, just on my heart, I, I, I walked out earlier, and I saw four young men out there in the parking lot, walking through the parking lot. And stopped him. I said, hey, I said, why don't y'all come into service tonight? And one of them made a gesture, and three of them turned around and looked at me and just had that draw. Maybe God was maybe wanting to be in here. But then I wonder if, if it, 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 we'll wait for you, but if you'd make a quick round of the property. If you see them, I want you to tell them the preacher's requesting them to come in tonight. Love on them and tell them that I love them and I want them in here if they're out there sitting around. God still loves sinners, don't he? Yeah. Appreciate just the good love of God, the good grace of God. Yeah. Give you just a quick little update what's going on in Iraq. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be heading back here in, in um, about eight days, March the 5th. I'll be, I'll be, heading, um, I'll be heading back to, back to the Middle East. I'm looking forward to... Uh, Watching the Lord work, it's always a blessing to be in a place where you know God is working. And I have great confidence tonight 
that God is doing a work there. Uh, the first church, of course, it was it had uh, God exposed, and the uh, authorities came in, and the brothers scattered, and things settled back down. We went again, and labored, co-labored with some other men in the, in the neighboring town, and the work was taken off, doing really well. God manifesting Himself to us in the services. The brethren coming back around and was able to confirm a work of grace in a young man's heart that was deaf and always a blessing to see God's hand do that. So encouraging and uh, to hear his experience and, and uh, to see him come in the shop and can't speak. He'll do the sign of Jesus, point to his heart, point up, and he'll be waving at me. You know, I just, I love being around this young man. I mean, I, I believe 100% that God's done a work in his heart. I'm excited about that. He, he would go in town with his phone, open up to the Kurdish Bible, and he'd find a verse, and he'd walk up to an imam, just peck him on the shoulder, and, you know, doing his best to evangelize and tell folks about Christ. He just, I mean, it was just wide open. I just, uh, just, just let him alone, let the Lord use him. And so uh, y'all pray for him. He's, he's uh, his name is... Omid, and he's doing a, a tremendous work. God's using him, young man, 23 years old. So be be much in prayer for him. The other young man at the shop, name is Dawood. He's um, he's my friend. Doesn't doesn't know the Lord, but he's he's been close. I've watched the Lord speak to his heart. I've watched him tear up under the sound of the gospel, and um, he's just different. Others that I've tried to share with, very resilient, very hardened. Very difficult, just not wanting to listen. Uh, very hard-hearted people. But this young man is very open-minded. He's got a got a heart to where that uh, he's just got a heart for God and, and just a heart to listen and learn. And so y'all be in prayer for him. Uh, back in April, uh, the um, back in April, uh, the. Uh, the second attempt was exposed. Was a man coming to the coming to the um, to the uh, the house meetings, and um, and I was just glad to to no no no, no luck, brother. Did y'all check behind the the fellowship hall. Okay, good good. I just want to make sure. Wonderful. Uh, he had been. We don't know which one it was, but one of the men was coming. He was recording. He was recording uh, the services on his phone, and he had been taking those recordings to the to the police, the secret police, the Asaish. The work got exposed again. Our co-laborers got called in, just interrogated, threatened. They since then have left the area, gone back to the U.S. They've moved back to uh, northern Iraq, and they're living in the largest city about two hours south of us in a place called uh, Erbil. And so... Um, so that left us there this summer by ourselves for the most part, but God has been faithful to us and um, have great anticipation. And, and I'm deeply encouraged to know that God is able to do exceeding and above all that we ask or think. Yes. My prayer is that God would work in this place, that it would be a, would be a, a move of the Lord's spirit, a city set upon a hill that cannot be hid. Oh, I, I desire to see God move in this in this town, and to see these people come out from the bondage of their fear, and um, and be set free, 
And so I'm just very excited about the opportunity to be able to get back in my place and continue to labor and to work. And uh, just, I've got pressing on my heart. And I'm, I know y'all pray for us. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I'm indebted to you unto the Lord. It's a, it's a, but, but it's a, it's a place where they're, they're just blinded. It's going to take the Lord, it's like it does anybody, to be able to break these chains that's got them bound, be able to set the captive free where they'll come to look and see Jesus as he is, God in the flesh. And, um, so, yeah, I, I would ask you all to continue to pray in that light. I feel impressed on me that there is a, that, that, that there's a window that's closing. All the political uprising, all the uh, unstabilityness of the area. I want to use wisdom, of course, and stay as long as God wants me to be there. Uh, I'm committed to be there until I'm an aged old man. Whatever God wants is what I want. But I just, ha I just have a impression on my heart to be able to return to the field, run with patience, but to, but to spent and be spent. Keep back nothing, Paul said. I've kept back nothing. And use every avenue possible to be able to see the gospel go out in this place. I feel like my time in, in, in Brazil, oftentimes I was just putting water on seeds and watching God reap the harvest from, from fields I hadn't even sown into. And then here in Iraq, it's, it's, it's just different. It's, uh, it, it, I, I feel like the last four years has been busting up stumps, trying to make the field even ready to be able to sow. And so, um, uh, but um, nonetheless, I uh, just asked for your earnest prayers in that regard, that God would work in a way that would tear down this barrier of fear, specifically with the, with the, the local believers there, that they'll be able to, to get past this fear it's like if, you know, it's like, uh, I want to tell them, if you can only see on the other side, they're so fearful of their families coming against them. They're so fearful of them being kicked out of their homes, so fearful of being abandoned, being, you know, forsaken, being, being an outcast. But the other side of that is Christ and his promises. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you always to the end of the earth, to the end of the time, in the world. And so, you know, he loves us here in his love, not that we love God, but he first loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins and to know that there is a seeking Savior. Jesus said, he said, I come to seek and to save sinners. And it's a promise both ways. He's seeking and he's going to save. And so I thank God for a Savior, uh, a true, living, resurrected Savior sitting on the right-hand side of God tonight. Not a, not a figment of our imagination, but in the flesh, an actual human body. King of kings, Lord of lords. God's placing above every principality of power, above every name that's in this earth and in the world to come. He is over it all. The anthem in heaven has always been Christ. It's never not been about the Lord Jesus. Christ, the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world chosen in him before the foundation of the world it's always been about been about christ you ever pondered when god walked in the garden with adam 
And he begins to communicate with them and have fellowship in this state of innocence. They, have a, they walk together, they talk together, they share communion together. And then from one day to the next, Eve falls into sin. Adam willfully chooses sin. They find themselves hiding in the woods, making fig leaves, sewing it together, and God calling, Adam, where art thou? Adam, where are you? And then when the Lord encounters him, you know, the, 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 the procession of, of, the, of the comments, the woman that you gave me, she gave me the fruit, and Eve, the serpent, beguiled me, and so on and so forth. I pondered this recently. How could God, thrice holy God, even commune with Adam in this sinful state? When we know that holiness reacts to sin by wrath, blessed in the eternal purpose and plan of God, which he worketh after the counsel of his own will, the darling Lamb of God in his manifold wisdom already slain before he said, let there be light, and there was, Christ was already the ultimate beautiful picture of God's grace toward man and a sacrifice and an atonement toward sin, which he looked upon his soul in travail and was satisfied every way, every ounce of God's wrath screamed satisfied when Christ suffered and died on the cross. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. What an amazing, amazing Savior. I'm going to look tonight at a little scripture here. And a few scriptures. Let's just look at it that way tonight. By, by, by means of a preface or a launching pad uh, tonight. I want to look over here in Psalm 107. Uh, the brother made mention of it when we was getting ourselves ready in the car in the parking lot. And I wanted to look here tonight as an amazing portion of Scripture unfolds before us. I'll not read the whole chapter, but I will read a few verses in reference to a to a to 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 a, to a, a repetitive word from God. One hundred seven, verse one. The Bible says, "Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good; for His mercy endureth forever." Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gather them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. They cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go into a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul, he filleth the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God, committed 
tempted the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down. There was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. All that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. The Bible goes on and speaks again this phrase some two more times. And it is so impacting. Speaking of people lost and wandering. Speaking of those in prison and captivity. Speaking of a storm. Uh, those that's in distress. And each and every time we have this. Can I, can I phrase it? This ugly picture of someone wandering. This ugly picture of somebody in prison and in chains. Someone out on the sea that's in trouble. The, uh, 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 that, that, that they stagger to and fro like a drunken man because the waves are so strong in their storm. Now yet each and every time there's a man in a desert place. In a, in a dry and thirsty land. And, and yet each and every time we come to this conclusion. That the scripture says all that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for, the, for his wonderful works to the children of men. It's, it's hard to get the natural mind to wrap around. How can God be exercising, displaying his goodness when, 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 when the psalmist is talking about a man in a desert place, thirsty and hungry? How can it be that God is showing his goodness when in our reading tonight, a man in chains and in prison and in in the dark places. But yet it's this, eclam, this exclamation, this proclamation that men would praise God for His goodness and His wonderful works among the children of men. It's, it's getting our mindset wrapped around this, this perception from, the, from God's perspective Seeing God works in ways that are above our ways. Seeing that His thoughts are above our thoughts. And not only just believing that, but living in that. It's a repetitious uh, cycle that God continues to teach us. Scripture says in Romans 5, tribulations, plural, worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. For the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So we know that God loves us. We sung the song in Sunday school. Jesus loves me. This I know. Uh, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. And it's a wonderful thing to know that Jesus truly loves us. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's amazing when you look at that everlasting life, it means that it doesn't have a beginning and it doesn't have an end. So somewhere in the mind of God, that leaves you and I tonight. And I'm grateful that He uh, uh, had in His infinite wisdom a plan that superseded Adam's folly in the garden. Long before there was ever a problem, God already had a solution. And it's Jesus tonight. Christ Jesus is the answer you're looking for. Jesus is the one that redeems, reconciles, brings us back to God. That's why we'll sing collectively in that 
in that great choir up yonder one day. The angels desire to look in on it. They don't understand what we're singing about when we say glory and honor to the Lamb of God who hath redeemed us by His own blood. Redeemed us to God by His own blood. What an amazing, amazing Savior. The goodness of God being on display through tribulation, through circumstances out of our control. Spoke here of this, of this, one, in, this one in prison, the one in chains, and how that it was a display of the goodness of God. I'm, I'm, I'm just tickled to death and thankful how God works. The Lord is gracious, Psalm 145 and 8, and full of compassion and slow to anger and, and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. So it's just so, so, uh, so refreshing to ponder that God's goodness is working in this way. Psalm 146 and verse 7, the Bible says, He which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry, the Lord looseneth the prisoners. The Lord opened the eyes of the blind and raised them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Bible says in Psalm 147 and verse 2, The Lord doeth build up Jerusalem. He, he gathereth together the outcast of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He's still looking for the wounded. He's still showing His goodness. Scripture says in, in, in Psalm 60. Um, in Isaiah 61, a scripture that Jesus himself quoted in the Gospel of Luke, the Spirit of the Lord of God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to, to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. It's amazing that Jesus in his place standing uh, in, the, in the synagogue would even recite this very, this very scripture, uh, speaking that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him and, uh, and, and just how that, uh, how that he would set the captives free, how that he would make them free. And those that was in prison, the Lord would, uh, the Lord would uh, set them free to a place of liberty and a place of freedom. I'm thankful that Jesus tonight still is setting the captive free. Still able to break the chains that bind us. Chains that hold us down. There's not, not a chain big enough that He can't break. His power is, is exceeding tonight. That power that works in us. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. And so we begin to see this, this thought begin to shape and take, take form as Jesus has, as God in His manifold wisdom has stepped out of eternity into time, into a body prepared by the Holy Spirit we refer to Him as Jesus, God in the flesh. 
And in this human form, in this body, lived 33 and a half some sinless years upon this earth, bringing all honor to the Father. Numerous of times, two in particular, the Father speaks from the heavens and they declare the glory of God and He speaks out and says, This is My Son who I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. There at the Mount Transfiguration, you hear the voice of God again thundering out as Peter and James and John look and they see Moses and they see Elijah and they begin to... They begin to see such a magnificent display of the glory of Christ as His raiment is shining as brighter than the sun. And, and, and they say, let us build a tabernacle, one for Moses and one for Elijah and one for you. It's amazing when God reveals His glory to us, how that we're unprepared to... Uh, to, 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 to we, we clearly want to revolt back to our, our natural man and the carnal ways of trying to build, but yet... The Spirit of God, the magnificent power of God fell in that place as the voice of God thundered, This is my Son, who I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. And, and, and Peter and James and John fell on their face. They was afraid. And the Lord Jesus said, Be not afraid. And when they look up, they saw no man save Jesus. That is the focal point tonight of our continual journey. Paul being in this state of prison in Rome, although he was in, ba- in bonds numerous of times, once you understand tonight that he was in bonds by Agrippa, he was in chains and in bonds by Felix, he was in chains and in bonds in the Philippian jail, numerous incarcerations here in, in, in the prison there in Rome in his first imprisonment under the bonds of Caesar, in bonds, in chains. But every time Paul refers to his prison experience, his bondage, his chain, he says, I'm in, I'm in the bonds of Christ. He says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. In other words, he had a vision that was far above the natural circumstances. And even in a state of being bound, In a state of chains, he saw that it was God's hand moving and God's hand working far above what man thought they were doing. But the power of God moving. He says in Philippians chapter number 1, he says this amazing thing. He says, says, "Being, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, verse 11, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. He says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. (coughs) He saw this tribulation as an opportunity. He saw this, he he had already had a proven track record. He had been in bonds. He had been in tribulations. He had been in trouble when he said, but I'm not in distress. He had been persecuted, but he said, I'm not forsaken. So he had had this track record where he knew that when we think tribulation worketh patience, 
the natural mind doesn't get a hold of that. When we, when we come into a state of tribulation that comes against us, the natural mind says, Lord, get me out of this. Lord, I, I don't want to be here no more. Take it. We want to get through it as quick as we can. But the Scripture said, tribulation worketh patience. And so patience experience. And experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. For the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. In other words, we look to God and we say, I know, I know God loves me. Paul had desired these Ephesian believers to know, be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you may be that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. How do you know something that goes beyond knowledge? How can your, how can your mind know something that, that, that passeth knowledge? He's desiring them to know the love of God. Paul is in this place, in a prison cell, from one day to the next, in a Roman prison cell. He speaks to a young man named Tychus that's, visiting and he's nearby he maybe says bring the parchments and the pen and begins to write the words specifically to these Ephesian believers and he writes such depths and such wonders of the grace and glory of God it's 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 as if he's not in bonds at all it's it's as if he's living on another plane that's the plane that when he looks at this church he sees them as he hears of their faith, their continued faith, as others come to Christ. So this is a church, a body of believers in a city that's, that's a population of the upwards of 2,000, 200,000 people situated on a bank of a river in the shore of the Mediterranean Sea, full of commerce and trails and roads leading throughout all of Asia. Paul had spent the a large portion of his ministry over some two and a half years declaring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He witnesses a powerful display of the move of God as the inhabitants there of Ephesus show a display of public repentance where they burn their books of sorcery and witchcraft, their scrolls of darkness to the sum of 50,000 pieces of silver. It's an amazing thing and <coughs> and and God, he witnesses this. And no doubt, as he says in that same display of God's power, he purposed in himself that it may also see Rome, that maybe somehow that God would allow him to walk into a Roman city, the imperial city of Rome, and watch God in a, in a mighty performance of his power save a multitude like he did in Ephesus. There were so many coming to Christ when Paul left. That, 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 that those that made silver idols to, to worship the false goddess of Diana, that their capital was affected. Their income was affected. So that Demetrius rose up and said, this man's causing us trouble. My pocket's hurting because of him. And, and, and so they, for hours, they, they, they get to the, to the theater and, and they cry, great is the goddess Diana for hours, but it did not hinder or stop the work of God. History tells us later that, 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 that the city was known for, the, for, for, for their following and their religion of Christianity, how it spread and blossomed and bloomed in this place. 
It's amazing when we begin to think about, uh, about the Lord and how, how that He has worked and how He wants these people to be able to see. It's just chapter 1 and verse 8, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. In other words, God, God making an advance, God abounding, God coming to His people uh, in all wisdom and prudence. Prudence differs from wisdom in the fact that prudence cannot approach darkness. Prudence cannot approach evil. Prudence cannot approach sin. And, 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 and so how could God abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, lest Christ be the ultimate sacrifice that satisfied God in every way? That, that, that abounding is, is a picture of a flower budding, a little budding flower. At first it's small, and the more that it opens up, the, those petals they, they begin to spread, and they'll sit there in the sunlight. It's a beautiful thing to behold. You've seen in the springtime flowers that have that little bud that come out, and then they begin to open and bloom. When we first look at Christ, we see that bud. We see Him as a Savior. We see Him as one that we've come to and that we've repented of our sins. We see Him as one that, 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 is, that has convicted us and brought us to a place of repentance and faith in Him. But as, as, the, as the bud begins to open, we begin to hear uh, 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 the declaration of John the Baptist. He says, I must decrease and, 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 and thou must increase. You must increase, Lord. The less we see of ourselves, the more we see of God. The more we see of Jesus as those petals open up. It's a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we, when, we, when we ponder on the manifold wisdom of God uh, that's, that, that's here in chapter 3 of Ephesians, it's so amazing to think manifold wisdom. Manifold is simply the word many colors or multiple colors. When, when we hear the word many colors, our mind instantly goes to a story in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter number 37, there's a man named Jacob, and he's got a son whom, whom he loves named Joseph. And he made him a coat of many colors, which, which characterized and, and showed the father loved him in a special way. This coat was just an outward covering that Joseph wore. Can I say the manifold wisdom of God is God in, in the eternal realm, the invisible God, stepping from out of eternity into time into a body prepared by the Holy Spirit, robing himself in flesh, that, that manifold, that, that, that multiple colored coat was, 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 the, was, the, was humanity, flesh put on a body. That He would uh, come, that, 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 that He would prepare Himself to receive, prepare Himself to be exercised, a very unique, special power that God had set aside that superseded the power of creation, that superseded the power when God said, let there be and there was. This was the exceeding greatness of His power, the peak of God's power Amen. that the Father had. Amen. And Jesus Christ was the only one that could have this power exercised. For He prayed in the garden a stone's throw away from the disciples as they slept and drifted off to sleep. Father, if there be another way, let this cup pass from Me. And He said, Nevertheless, not My will, but Thy will be done, which He purposed after His own will, Took counsel, not after a cherubim. Took counsel, not after the angels. Took counsel, not after uh, 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 the seraphim. 
those flying around the throne singing holy, holy, holy. But after the counsel of His own will, He loved us and commended His love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He would take upon the form of this body. And this, this uh, and He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Uh, so, so amazing. But God who was rich in mercy... For His great love, when He loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. It's like the old mountain preacher said one time. They asked him, they said, when did God save you? And, and as an older man, uh, way on up in age, walking with God for multiple decades, he come to the conclusion and he said, I don't know when God saved me. But I know when He let me know about it. And I understand that tonight. I, I thank God that there is that God has an eternal plan that includes you and I in it. That's what He's desiring these believers to understand. He looks at them. They're not just a bunch of Christian babies. In Ephesus, from Paul's perspective in prison, he's writing to them. He knows they're walking in faith. He knows they love each other. So he knows that God's love is actively working in and through them. He knows that, that, that the love of God is manifesting itself unto them. And so because they love each other, how could we love each other unless God first loved us? And so th these aren't believers walking around with sippy cups. These are maturing believers. These are saints that Paul, when he writes, says, I cease not to mention you, make mention of you in my prayers. <coughs> and he uh, he, he goes on and says, in verse 17, chapter 1, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. This is what goes beyond knowledge. This is understanding that, that goes beyond a book study. This goes beyond uh, uh, the, 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 the maturing now. goes beyond. It, the, 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 this begins to take form into the access wherein we have with boldness. We can walk into the throne room and commune with God and ask Him to help us see. May the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. It's God in His Spirit by the Holy Ghost that opens our eyes, opens our understanding that we may know, that we may see, we may know the love of God, we may experience the love of God. What does He say? He says that we may know what is the hope of His calling. Well, what is the hope of God's calling? Christ in you. The hope. The hope of glory. Without Christ being on the inside of us, there is no hope that God would get any glory. So we begin to see the, 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 premier, the, the premier focal point of, of, of what God is, what Paul is praying for God to reveal to them. We see that, that, that the hope of His calling is that God gets glory through our life because of Christ. He goes on and he says this. He says, he says, and what, and what, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Understanding that when God saved you, when he birthed you in the family, Jesus Christ laid claim to your life. Paul said to the Corinthians, what know ye not that you that, 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 you, that you're not your own? You've been bought with a price. That your life is no longer yours. The inheritance that God has 
receiving in glory is that, is, is that He has laid claim on your life and you in obedience follow Him. You in obedience look and live. You in obedience walk after Jesus, following Jesus. And He says, and what is the exceeding <coughs> greatness of His power? To us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, the exceeding greatness of God's power is to usward who believe. God's not slack concerning His promise. To usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. God, God looking to the body of Christ, those whom He, the Bible says, hath chosen in Him before the foundation of the world, that, that our eyes are focused from that perspective. Not from this changing perspective, not from this day-to-day earthly perspective, but from a heavenly perspective. From that perspective, Paul was desiring these believers to be founded in, to continue to mature into, not just be tossed back and forth with every circumstance and every wind of doctrine, but to be firm, steadfast, unmovable, unshakable in the love of God knowing that God loves us. And because of that love, He has, he has laid claim on our life. And that claim uh, that, that He has laid upon our life involves tribulations. Those are opportunities. Tribulations worketh patience. Patience worketh experience. God has a wonderful track record. In other words, God is saying, uh, uh, those, when those tribulations come, we know because the way God works, the way He moves, the way he does things in the past, uh, when, 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 when Moses said, show me your glory, God hit him in a cleft of a rock. And when God passed by, he lifted his hand off and Moses saw his hinder parts and his face began to shine. He saw where God had been. He saw where God had walked. He saw where God had worked in the past. And that his face began to shine to such a brightness, they had to put a veil on. But I'm glad 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 says, But we all with open face, no veil, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, and are changed to the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord, by us beholding Him, by us gazing at Christ. There's, there's inward change going on when our focus is set upon Jesus Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ laying claim on your life, that He's getting glory through your life. Now then we understand when tribulation comes. I know because of experience that now I have a, I, 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 I have a hope. I don't want to rush through my tribulation. No, I, I want to tiptoe through it. I want to be patient because I know that God's working in a greater way beyond my understanding, beyond the heavenly realm, beyond a way that I can't even put the pieces together. But that's how He works. That's how His, that's from His perspective working. Now then, there's no need to be ashamed. No need to be ashamed. No need to be ashamed because we know that God loves us. He loves His children. When tribulations come, we say, I thank God for this. I praise Him for it. Paul in this state of prison in Rome no doubt could reflect back 
to a place where he had already been in prison numerous of times. Numerous of times beaten and thrown in that, those inner cells. While there is first stop over in Macedonia, there in Philippi, how that God worked an amazing miracle. His back laid open, laying in that place in those stocks in that inner prison. All those prisoners looking at him and, 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 and no doubt hearing as they beat on him. And he looked over to Silas at midnight. They prayed. They worshiped. They praised God. He sent an earthquake. God saved the Philippian jailer and his household. No doubt they come together with Lydia and her crew. Philippian church started from that place of tribulation, suffering, and anguish. Paul said this. He said, uh, uh, this is a spiritual walk, a spiritual way. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. He said, for we are the circumcised, or we are the separated ones. He, he said, and, and we worship God in the Spirit. Right. He said, and we rejoice in Christ Jesus and put no confidence and have no confidence in the flesh. There was a, the, the reason he said, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, is because they did put confidence in the flesh. But he said, we're different than them. We rejoice in Christ. We worship God in the Spirit. And we don't. And, and why would he begin to tell his pedigree? He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, uh, of the tribe of the stock of Israel and of Benjamin. And he tells about I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, of, of the law, of touching the law perfect. In other words, from the outside, I was perfect. I was clean. Uh, people couldn't lay one finger against me. But on the inside was where God crossed him on Damascus Road. Found the, found the sin, found the error and said, here's what you've got to repent of. After struggling, kicking against those pricks for some time, the grace of God no doubt flooded his heart and he put his hand in surrender and said, yes, God, you're right and I'm wrong. Come to Christ, God, no doubt change this man, save this man, put him on a good way and a good path. And it's just amazing to see how God used the Apostle Paul, changed his life, put him in a good way. Such a, such a powerful display of the grace of God. It's amazing to see how that even in this state of prison, how he's not affected by, not affected by the circumstances. To write to these Ephesian believers, helping them to see you ought not be affected by the circumstances either. What's amazing is what these believers don't know, but what God knew from his perspective. God sees everything from the beginning to the end and the end to the beginning all at one time. All we see is day by day. But now then God sees what's going to happen in Ephesus. He knows that the Goths, as history tells us, are going to raise up in, 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 in rebuttal and rebellion against the Roman Empire. And they're going to attack Ephesus. They're going to destroy a lot of parts of the city. They're going to butcher women and children. They're, they're going to pillage the, 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 the city. And in amongst those pillaged, in amongst those butchered, in amongst those with dead loved ones is the body of Christ. Being able to regroup, being able to pick themselves back up again is knowing that God has a plan. He's included me in his plan. Strong, uh, 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 not shaken to the right or the left. But understanding there was a power that was working in them. God's power, the exceeding 
greatness of His power, filled the empty tomb on the third day. Jesus Christ didn't have to flex His muscle. Stacked against Him was every rank, uh, 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 all the different hinged darkness of the, uh, 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 of, of, of the fallen angels, Satan himself. They had set a ray uh, trying to win this battle, but there was no fight. Christ and this exceeding greatness of God's power that He had stored up, He let it loose. And it went in and through the body of Jesus Christ. God was born. God, the invisible God, took on the image of Christ. Born into flesh as a baby. That you and I might be born into a spiritual body. And this spiritual body, as Christ is our head, we make up the body of Christ. And, And so there is no confidence in our flesh. There's no bragging rights. We We don't put... Uh, uh, we don't put stock in a prayer that we prayed. We don't put stock in some testimony that we said. We put our confidence and our trust in a Savior that we met. There's one thing that every born-again believer all over the world, it don't matter. It don't matter what color you are. It don't matter what continent you was born on, what language you speak. It don't matter how far in the Amazon rainforest you live or how far up in the northern Iraq mountains you're from, when there is something in the heart and the very depths of the soul of every born-again believer, a single testimony that's one and the same, somewhere in their life as following Christ, as a born-again believer, they're going to say, Jesus saved me. It resonates in my heart tonight. I know that God saved me. I know Jesus done a work in my heart. I know He sought me out. He wooed me to Himself. Save me. And we see Paul reiterating this and reflecting this to these believers, desiring them. He said, And you hath He quickened who were dead in trespass and sins. <coughs> According to the times past, you walked to the course of the world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the Spirit now working in children of disobedience. When Christ, when that exceeding Greatness of God's power filled that empty tomb. Jesus Christ got up out of the grave. When he stood up, the battle was over. He didn't have to pull a sword out. He didn't have to raise his hand or flex a muscle. When he walked out of that grave, when he walked out of that grave, there was exceeding greatness of the power of God that led captivity captive. We see the cycle being broken. Through the, 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 this, the, the, this same imagery is pictured in Judges 4 when there's a battle between a man named Sisera. And, and we see this on display uh, when Deborah and Barak go and fight this man. And they fight this army. They win the battle. Prior to this, they're the children of God, the people of Israel, are going through a state of trying to keep God's command, but they can't keep it. They constantly fall. They're in adultery. They're in sin. And they, then they come back and repent. They try again and they can't keep the law. They can't perform it. And they, then, then, then they repent and come back again. And then we see this battle between Deborah and Barak and Sisera. And there is an amazing battle. Uh, they, they take a tent peg and they nail it through his head, nail him to the ground. Uh, it's so, so, such an amazing truth to see how that, how that God... Brought such a great victory 
uh, uh, we know that in chapter five is a song that, that speaks of this battle, a victory song. And in that chapter five of Judges, it says this. Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, Barak. Lead your captivity captive. In other words, what they would do, they would take those remaining captains, those remaining generals and commanders, those remaining men of the army that they had defeated, they would publicly strip them of their rank, strip them of their garments, and march them in humiliation, showing they had triumphed, that they had had the victory, they had won the victory. And so when we see, awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, Barak, we see this exceeding greatness of God's power filling the tomb. Awake, awake, Jesus. And he got up out of the grave, blotting out the handwritings of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Ephesians 4 says this in verse number 8, Wherefore he said, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now who is this that didn't first descend, but also ascended? He had won the victory. That same power, because he had a physical human body, now flows through his spiritual body that you and I are birthed into placed of God into a specific joint, fitly joined together. Every joint supplies. Every joint has a part. You've got a part. I've got a part, thank God. And that power throws through us. It's an amazing access to, to, to enjoy this. The people of Egypt come to Pharaoh and said, we have no more bread. What are we going to do? And Pharaoh said, go talk to Joseph and whatever he says, do. They go to Pharaoh, or they go to Joseph, and Joseph had been storing up corn in the seven years of plenty, and he had stored up, and even in that context, he's counting the, 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 the weight of corn, putting it in the storehouse, putting it in the storehouse, putting it in the storehouse. It gets to the point where the inventory is no longer of use. It is such access, such excess, such over and abundant flow of corn that he just says, well, there's no point of trying to keep track of how much it is. It's an infinite number. Just throw it in the storehouse. And Joseph, when they come to him, he commands and they open not just one, but they open all the storehouses. Wherefore, we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Somewhere in the mind and mystery of God, when Christ was Crucified on the cross. You that are born again tonight was crucified with him. When they buried him in the ground and they rose him again, you and I was raised up with him, thank God. Seated with Christ in heavenly places with power and victory over everything we'll ever wrestle with. Every principality, every power, every dominion, every darkness already under our feet, thank God. Not because of anything we've done, but because of Jesus. He says this, that in the ages to come, he might shew his exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. You ever had that experience when you learn something new? 
And you kind of feel a fulfillment. You kind of feel this fulfilling emotion, this energy being able to say, I've learned something new. Can you imagine in a, in, in a state of a glorified body, liken them to Christ, liken them to Jesus himself? Forever and ever and ever as the ages roll on, always learning of his grace, never coming to an end and saying, I know about this. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, always learning of the grace of God and His kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. What does He say? He says this, For by grace are ye saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus and the good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are His workmanship. The only one that has bragging rights in this whole thing is God Himself. Sought us out in our degradation and our sin. Sought us out in our depraved depraved nature and our our, our rebellion, our, our ways contrary to God. And with His ever-present love rescuing us, He picked the fight and fought the fight in me and come out with the victory, thank God. Jesus Christ is the one that is the focal point that Paul desires these Ephesians believers to get a grasp, to to, to, to get a hold on. He says that we are His workmanship. We're the workmanship of God. Sought us out, saved us with purpose, put us in a plan, Put us, in a, put, put us in a way of which He before ordained that we should walk in. I've got my race to run. You've got your race to run. You can't run my race and I can't run your race. But I thank God we can look to Christ and we can run our race with patience and, uh, and with hope that God's performing His work in us. He that hath begun a good work in you will finish it, will complete it, will see that it's done until the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to get the job done inside you. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so the, 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 the focal point is that of Jesus. You'll find the word workmanship first mentioned in Exodus chapter number 31. <coughs> God's speaking to Moses and he's talking about a man named Baalil. And he said, I've called this man. I've caused the Spirit of God to rest upon this man. And he's got all wisdom and uh, the wisdom of God, all knowledge, the knowledge of God. He, and, and he's got all understanding and how to work in all materials, whether it's wood and metals and rock. He had this, this cunning craftiness and workmanship. We find the word there. And, and, and God had given him the ability, the knowledge to be able to, uh, be able to make th- those furniture pieces in the tabernacle. There was the table of shoe bread, the candlestick. There was the altar of incense. There was the Ark of the Covenant. There was the pillars that support the tabernacle. There was the brazen laver. There was the brazen altar. And this man was one that God had specifically given knowledge and know-how to use all different materials, metallurgy and wood and which and how to cut the grain and how to how to heat it 
to the precise moment. I know some of us think about our loved ones that we want to see saved. Can I just say tonight that God knows how to work with every individual. He knows how to, how to speak to somebody in the darkest jungles of Africa, to someone that's up in an igloo in the, uh, uh, in the North Pole. He knows how to get a hold of them. He knows how to, whether they come from a, uh, from, from, from a worldview of fear to a culture that's, a, that, 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 that's uh, honor and shame. He knows how to speak to their hearts, bringing them to himself. This man made these, in, the, the, these furniture pieces in the tabernacle. We've studied these out. I know y'all have too. Every single piece of furniture in the tabernacle typifies Jesus Christ. The shoe bread that's there. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The, 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 the candlestick. I am the light of the world. It's not a city set up on a hill that cannot be hid. Everything from the, from the altar of incense to the Ark of the Covenant, the, to the laver, to the, to, 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 to the curtains, everything in there with cunning workmanship was made uh, uh, and, 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 and typified Jesus Christ. Can I say that as God works on us as His workmanship, He's making us to the image of Jesus Christ. We've been predestinated to be conformed to the image of His own Son. This man, Baalel, his name means a shadow of God or God's shadow. Now, how can an, an invisible God, how can a spirit have a shadow? Lest the face of the invisible, the image of the invisible God, which is Christ Jesus and the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. It's an amazing thing to ponder that everything, every angle we look God is speaking clearly, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Our focal point is Christ. Our focal point is Jesus. Uh, it's an amazing thing to see how that Christ loves us, has taken great, uh, 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 great uh, 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 pride in His work. He, uh, remember there this summer making a lot of tables. Someone asked me, what was the thing you made the most? I said, we made a lot of tables this past year. I was thinking about it, preaching. I said, you know, if we could, ha- if we had, if we had a hundred tables in this room, and the ones that I had made were also in the room, I could quickly walk over and pick out the ones that I had made. Oh, yes, I'd say, I, I, I made this one. I didn't have much on that one. I made that one. I made that one. I made that one. The Bible says we are compassed about with a greater cloud of witnesses. It said, so let us lay aside every weight. And the sin so do easily beset us. And let us run the race that it, with patience that is set before us. That is set before us. This is the same word that we find in Genesis 1 when God made the moon, the sun, and stars and set them in their place. They're not going to move. What God has saved you for is set. The race that God has for your life is set. It's a, it's a before ordained that we should walk in them. That, that for, from, from, from because of Christ, before the foundation of the world, God in His, in His eternal plan saw you and I, yes. saved us, yes. put us in the path yes. that with purpose that we would run a race that would bring Him honor and glory as Christ laid claim on our lives. He's the one that's going to be lifted up. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He says, and lay, away, lay aside every weight, things that pull us down, things that are heavy, and the sin that so doeth easily beset us. I've heard preaching over the years about what's your besetting sin? or what, what is the sin that besets you so easily? And I guess that would be true if it said, lay aside a, a sin that doeth easily beset us. But the scripture said to lay aside the sin that so doeth easily beset us. In other words, what besets you is the same sin that besets me. The same sin that besets Wani in the Amazon is the same sin that's going to beset those believers in, in Iraq. The same sin that besets our, uh, uh, the, the, the elders in the church or the same sin that besets the young believers in the church. The besetting sin. Well, what is the besetting sin? I believe... I believe the, the, the verse number two gives us a window of exactly what the besetting sin is. Verse two says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So this beset is simply this. It means this. It means being hindered to where you're not running. It means you're in a race, but you're standing and watching others run. Interesting word to be beset. And it easily besets us. The sin that easily besets us is whatever takes our eyes off of Christ. Amen. Whatever takes our eyes off of Jesus. When we behold him in the glass, we're changed from image to image and glory to glory. That's God working in us. God, God's grace manifesting itself in our mortal body that we become more and more like Christ. When our eyes are not upon Jesus, when our eyes are not looking at the darling Lamb of God, when we're not beholding Him, when we're not, when we're not, caught, when we're not uh, caught, up, caught up in His presence, just simply gazing at Him, that is the besetting sin. Peter said to the Lord, he said, Lord, if that's you on the water, bid me to come. And the Lord said, what an invitation. Come. Peter steps out of the boat. He's doing something that's supernatural. It's not natural for the body to walk on water. But Peter is walking on the water. He's focused on Jesus. His focus is like this, looking at Jesus. Then all of a sudden, because of the winds and the waves, they begin, his focus looks around and it becomes broader. Now all of a sudden he's looking at other things and he begins to sink. Yeah, yeah. And in the, We know he knows how to swim. It tells us later in the book of John he swam to shore. Yeah. So he's a fisherman. He knows how to swim. But the winds and the waves were so much that his own ability, his own know-how could not keep him afloat. And in this place he's sinking and he cries out to the Lord, Lord, save me. Jesus, save me. And immediately, Jesus extends his hand, grabs a hold of Peter, and pulls him back up. Watch what took place. His focus is on Christ, walking to him. His focus becomes 
around. He begins to sink. And in the sinking, when, when the Lord extends His hand down to him, his focus is once again simply looking upon Jesus. Pulls him back up and he's able to continue on the path. Our eyes, when they're off of Christ, there's so many distractions today pulling on us, tugging on us, that when circumstances do come, because our focus is not on Christ, we say, oh God, get me out of this circumstance. Or get me out of this trouble. But when our eyes are on Jesus, our heart is in his hand. Can I tell you, there's not, there's not a chamber in the Lord's heart that he will not throw the door open for you. We have access, a deep price paid for this access. Can I tell you that there's not a blessing that he will not withhold and bestow upon you? Look and live, look to Christ. There's not a glory of his own that he will not reveal unto you by walking into the access that we have and saying, yes, Jesus, let me gaze upon you one more time. Looking, looking upon Christ, beholding him, seeing how precious that he is, his kindness, his love, his grace. It's, it's amazing. We say, well, I've, well, we've read the crucifixion story over and over and over. Read it again. And again, it's a story that never gets old. It's a story that is throughout the ages. We're going to forever be learning about it and say, God, show me something new one more time in this amazing story. And he will every single time. It's, it's a beautiful picture of the Lord's mercy and grace coming to a fallen man. Focus upon Christ gazing upon Jesus. This past summer when everybody had left, I was there in Iraq by myself. And I'll just be transparent and be honest with you. There was a period of time. It's a good practice when you don't know what to do. Just do all that you know to do. That's all that I was doing was what I knew to do. And I was just getting up and going to work. Getting up and going to work. Coming back home. Going to the shop. Coming back home. Trying to reach out to the brothers. They're scattered. Trying to, trying to carry on. It seems like it's to no avail, but I'm just doing what I know to do. Get up, go to the shop, come back to the house. Go to the shop, come back to the house. I got off work early one day. I come home. There's a bottom area to my house. I climb down a little ladder. I keep my dog down there. I have a little plastic chair. I pulled it out and set it under a mulberry tree. I sat down. I was looking out over the canyon. And it was in the evening. The sun was going down. And I spoke out to God as honest and as real as I know how, I said, Lord, I said, something's not right. I said, I don't understand what it is, but you know and I know that something is just not clicking. I said, Lord, if you'll show me what it is, I'll repent of it. I'll make things right. I just feel like maybe I could be used somewhere else more. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels here. Help me, Lord. I, I, I feel like I'm not seeing anything happen. I feel like I'm just caught up. I, I feel like I was just simply beset by the way, watching everybody else run, and I'm just standing by. And the Holy Spirit of God brushed by me and whispered, just thank me. And so I began to thank him. I said, Lord, thank you for this little plastic chair that I'm sitting in. Thank you, God, for, for the little house that I've got. Thank you for my dog. 
Thank you for food that you've provided for me. Thank you, Lord, for this shop. Thank you for providing work. Just thanking him. And somewhere in that, I was just thanking God for the stuff, the material blessings. And somewhere in that, and I gazed out over that canyon, the thanks went from this level to this level. And I said, Lord, I just want to thank you for you. And in this moment, there was just this sweet, harmonious presence of God that fluttered my heart. I was thankful to have my eyes focused once again upon Christ. Now, I don't know how and what all happened or what all God did, but it was like in one moment, I was just watching everybody else run. And the next moment, I'm back in the race again. And I'm just running all to God's with me. He's looking. We're compassed about that great cloud of witnesses. And they, those angels desire to look in on it. Those angels are scratching their head going, watch that one run. Watch him go. Man, Gabriel, check this out. Look at him go over yonder. Then all of a sudden, hey, Michael, I don't, this one over here, he, he's just walking in a circle or something. Oh, what's This one over here, he just kind of, well, he was running a second ago. Now he's just kind of looking around. What's going on with them? And, 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 and they're looking in. They're desiring to know. But God said he would, he would instruct them to, to, to the intent. To the intent. Ephesians chapter number, th- number, number three. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places, angels, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. And so as they're looking on, as they're watching us run and stop and run and stop, when they see us get back up again, they're not thinking, man, he's a strong runner. They're not thinking... They're not coming to understanding that we have some sort of a strength of our own. But they're like, my goodness, something that Jesus is doing, something that Christ has done, has empowered them once again, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We may run all over the racetrack, but thank God Christ is going to finish the race through us. We're going to get there. We're going to cross the finish line, thank God. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Running on. I've got my race to run. You've got your race to run. Keep running. Run on. Run on. There's no time to stop. Don't forsake yourself with the summing together. Even as the day approaches, coming out to the house of God and loving on each other, letting the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost uh, and, and uh, forgiving one another and, and those that have it all against you. Fix it and get it right and get back in the race. Paul said, who hath hindered you? My goodness, it's, don't let somebody fixate your mind or get you swayed. Get back in the race. He saved you to be a runner. He changed your life to be a runner. He worked His grace in your life to be a runner. Run on with patience and run and run and run. And one day, by the grace of God, we're going to finish this thing. 
He is going to be the one to finish the race. Finish the race in us. It's an amazing thing to ponder. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The angels being educated, looking upon us, seeing Christ in us. So that's the question tonight that I have for you. All that to say this, the goodness of God working amongst men, the wonderful workings of God amongst the children of men. Is the circumstance gotcha twisted up looking down here? Is the is the is the the ill word that was spoken, maybe the misunderstanding somebody said, it's got you, got you focusing down here. Things are going past. People are running past. We're just looking around. Hey, looking into Jesus. Would you gaze at him again? Yeah. Would you look at him again? Yeah. The darling Lamb of God. crown of thorns on his head whipped and beaten scars back laid open looking upon the face of Jesus beholding him and you'll begin to find yourself in the race again I was thankful for what had happened there in Iraq the heart of joy I was in the race again off to the running and we was running and God wasn't helping. I was just whistling, come to the shop. One day to the next, a man walks in with a, with a blue sports coat on and a, white, and a white shirt. Behind him is a man with a camera. Comes in and says he's from such and such news channel. He wants to do an interview. And I said, sure, that'll be fine. Come on in. He asked him, asked him about 15 questions. And so I said, yes, sir. Uh, I answered his questions the best that I could in a way that would bring honor and glory to God. And he said, well, I think I've, I'm satisfied with all your answers. He said, I, I, I think I have a, a good opinion about what, how you feel about the town and what your thoughts are toward the people here. He said, I'm curious about how they think, what they think about you. What's their thoughts towards you? He said, go out on the street. I want you to bring in three men. I said, okay. I walked out of the shop, and just up there to, 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 to the left is a man that has a baker named Shamal. I said, Shamal, would you come in? Entertain this journalist. He asked some questions. He said, "Sure." I walked up a little, uh, a little, a little piece, and there was a man that sells fruits and vegetables. I got him, and he come down, and he walked in, done the same. I needed one more. I walked out, and I looked up the street, and here comes a man named Mama Aziz. Every time he's ever come to my shop, preacher, he's been very arrogant, very forceful. His his uh, his, his approach has always been with Islam in the forefront, trying to force this religion on me, finding fault in the shop, always pointing out error. And, and honestly, I, I looked for somebody else. Nobody else was there but this man. So I called him. I said, Mama Aziz, would you mind just talking to these guys? You know, they, they've got to go and I've got work to do. He said, yeah, I'll entertain the questions. And so I walked back in the shop and began to work on the old table I was making. And Steve, our, the, the, the one believer that works with us, he walked out front and was listening to the conversation. 20 minutes pass. He walks back in. He walks back in and he says, did you hear what Mama Z is saying about you? 
I said, look, Steve, I said, I haven't. I said, it's probably no big deal. I said, hey, I said, uh, I said, and he said, no. He said, you want to know what he said? He hooked his arm in mine. You know how you hook somebody's arm? He pulled me into the corner of the shop, and he said, Mama Aziz said this to the reporter. That old Islamic man, radical in his belief, said, the men of this town strictly and radically obeyed all the commands in the Quran. He said, now, I'm one of those men. He said, I invite these men into my home. I'll seat them in the place of honor. My wife will come in and bring tea. And when she does, I've noticed they look at her in a wrong way. He said, I've noticed when my daughter comes in to collect those tea glasses and the empty plates, they look at her with a lustful eye, jeer and jaunt at her. He said, when they leave my house after I've showed them hospitality, he said, they will go to the center of town, to the bazaar, and they will talk bad about me behind my back. And then Steve said, Bram, which means my brother, he said, Mama Aziz said this. This man, Islamic man, looked at the camera and said, but this man across the street, this carpenter fellow, he said, I've been watching him for three and a half years. And, and, and he said, he's always waving at me. He's always smiling at me. He's never one time looked at my wife in a wrong way, nor my daughter. He said, he said he's never spoke an ill word against me. And I'm sitting there weeping. The Holy Spirit touches my heart and says, that man sees Jesus in you. Amen. I left there on walking on a cloud nine. I've still been walking on it, I think. It's an amazing thing when you're in the race that God has for you. When you're looking down here, the, the reactions that you give is in the flesh. The reactions you give are carnal. But when you're walking up here in your race, everything is sweet and in the spirit. And God is reflecting his glory through your life that is affecting other people. When you're running your race, the people that are around you are taking note, are watching. God is always at work in his children. Are you, are you gazing at Jesus? Are you looking at him? Are you running your race or do you find yourself just easily beset? Looking around. Now, I don't know where you fit in that, but I know that circumstances can arise beyond our control that quickly, easily would cause us Take our eyes off Christ. Doctors say certain phrases and it cripples us with fear. Tribulations come and just shakes us to the core. But a believer that knows their place in Christ with their eyes affixed on him is a beautiful and powerful entity in the body of Christ. I was working, making this bed. I was putting on some decorative pieces on this bed over there, king-size bed. 
had the frame built, and I was using the screw gun, preacher. And I had some holes pre-drilled. I was putting up this piece of decorative wood, and I, and I got in this custom. Maybe some of you guys work with wood. You know what I'm talking about. Right as, I, right, right, right as you're putting the screw in, at that last moment, you kind of give it a little bit extra juice and kind of push it on and kind of countersink it a little bit. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And I was holding it. And the way I had my hand on there, I was holding up there, and I was putting the, putting the screw in. And at that last moment when I put force on it, the, the Phillips head slipped off the screw and just gouged a big chunk out of my thumb. Man, I, I saw stars. I got lightheaded. But it was without even thinking, instantaneously, this hand came and grabbed it, squoze it, put pressure on it. I mean, there was just blood dripping on the ground. I said, I gotta go. I have to go sit down. I'm dizzy. Wouldn't it have been silly? Wouldn't it have been silly if all that pain and that blood and this hand just buck up and say, I'm not gonna rescue him. I saw how high he was holding the wood. It's his own fault. But this hand doesn't do what it wants to do. This hand don't do what it wants to do. It does what the head tells it to. Christ is our head, and we're a member of the spiritual body. If we know that one's hurting, we don't just let them go by the wayside. No, if we know that one's hurting. We know someone's hurting. We got to come to the rescue. Quickly get a hold of it. Let them know you're there. Let them know you love them. I mean, allow that, allow that member, allow that fitly joined together, that joint supplieth. This joint supplied something that this joint needed. And instantaneously, whoo, got to hold that thing, and I was squeezing on it, and it hurt. Man, I felt, I felt, I felt, I felt like it hurt, hurt. My big toe hurt so bad. It hurt. And I laid there, and I got some duct tape and wrapped it up. And after a while, it was fine. I kept running back to work. And, 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 and so it's an amazing thing that sometimes when things are misunderstood, things are said and we don't comprehend all the way or whatever's taken place, our focus becomes here. And when it becomes here, walls go up, barriers are made, division is there. It's amazing how it just works that way. We're fecal people, all of us. Maybe somebody tonight needs to come and grab your little plastic chair put it under the mulberry tree and just be honest with God and say, Lord, there's something wrong. Yeah. I don't really know what all it is, but you know. And maybe in an act of thanksgiving or in, a, or in an act of confession or in an act of asking God, help me to mend my eyes once again focus on you. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the help tonight. Thank you for your grace. I pray for this this church and these body of believers, Lord.